last week we looked at um, in the book of Acts, uh, which is where you see the um, record, really, the history of the early church and how the church came into being. And in Acts chapter 2, we looked at how the church started with the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And then right at the end of Acts chapter 2, there's that descriptor of the church gathered in Acts 2, 42 to 47. And we looked at values and, and we looked at this group of people that with the dynamic power of God and a relentless pursuit of values, they actually went out and changed the world. Um, and we look in Acts chapter 2, you see the church gathered. But in Acts chapter 3, you see the church scattered. You see the church at loose in society. And that's what we're going to look at. Because a group of people not afraid to risk aren't a group of people that just want to show up to church. They're actually a group of people that want to go out and change the world. And that means that we've got to risk, even if we might fail. So in Acts chapter 3, it says this. One day, Peter and John uh, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. I'm waiting for you, Chris. Okay. Um, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, confession time, okay? I was brought up in a Christian home, which I'm really grateful and thankful to God for. I've always been at church, okay? I was going to church when I was in the womb of my mother, okay? And I've always gone to church. The reality is, the church that changes the world is not a church that goes to the church, but a church that becomes the church. And what you see in the early church was a group who walked out what they talked about. They walked out what they talked about. And these two guys, part of this early church, Peter and John, are going around a normal everyday thing that they would have done, going up to the temple to pray. And in the midst of that, they took a risk and they changed the man's life and they created wonder and amazement around them. And what I want to do this morning, I'm going to look at six basic principles out of this Bible passage. Then you're going to hear two amazing stories from two people and then we're going to apply it and see what God wants to do here this morning. You see, what, what does a group of people look like who aren't afraid to risk, even if they might fail? Number one, they don't abandon discipline. You know, just because they've come into a new experience of God doesn't mean they throw out all of the old. Because the Bible says that they went up to pray at the set time of prayer. Now, the Jewish day started at 6 a.m. and finished at 6 p.m. And there were three times to pray, 9, 12, and 3. And what, the, what these guys did is even though they come into this new experience of God and the church had begun, they didn't throw out all the old discipline. Many people think that risk takers in the kingdom of God are those who don't do discipline. We just do spontaneity. I want to challenge that. You are more prepared to take risks for God if you've built good disciplines into your life. When I was away on holiday, I really needed the holiday. We were really tired, but I felt that God speak to me while I was away. And he said this, listen, the answer to how you're feeling, Leon, isn't a two-week holiday. It's what you're going to do in the two weeks that you come back. 
Because the reality is, I let some of my own disciplines, which have built strength into me, go by the wayside because I allow myself to get too busy and too distracted. And so things like reading the Bible and spending time with God on my own, things like gathering together, it's really, really important. Things like serving and giving financially. All of these old disciplines build spiritual strength into you so that when a moment comes, you can take the risk and leap because you've built some strength into you. And these two guys had got these disciplines and this strength into them. So when they met this guy that was in need, they could take a risk and they could take the leap. Secondly, they gave what they got, not what they hadn't got. You know, the guy looks at them and, and, and he's begging for money. And Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. I ain't got that, mate. But what I have got, I give you. Now imagine what would have happened if they had have had silver and gold. Maybe they'd have given the man what he wanted, but not what he needed. And the reality is you and I don't take risks for God often because we focus on what we've not got rather than what we have got. And if only we could focus on what we have got, God could do amazing things. One of the big questions that comes up in the Bible is, what's that in your hand? You know, David had a little stone in his hand and it brought down a giant. That little lad, you know, there was thousands of people needed feeding. There were no Asda Arctic trucks pitching up, okay? And there was a lad had a lunchbox, basically, with some loaves and fishes. But he had it and he didn't focus on what he didn't have. He focused on what he had and he gave it to God and God did amazing things with it. Another question that comes often in the Bible is, what do you have in your house? And there's a woman in, in the Old Testament um, who, who was a widow and her sons were about to be taken away into slavery. And she turned to, the, to, to and she, was the, she had nothing to do. She had nothing to give. She couldn't pay anything. She had nothing. And, and she went to the man of God and, and he said, what do you have in your house? And she said, nothing. So I'm coming to you. And, she, and then he kind of said, really nothing? And she said, ah, oh, there's a little oil. So she got the little oil and he said, pour it into a jar. So she risked it. She risked the little she did have and she put it into the plan of God and, and it multiplied and it was more than enough for her and for her lads and for the whole community. Because you've got to focus not on what you haven't got, but on what you have got. Group of people that take risks. You know, I love this quote here. The only limit to your impact is your imagination and commitment. You know, we so think, oh, I could do this and I'd be this and I'd do that if I had this. But what we do is we let our imagination control and restrict us rather than taking what we've got and putting it into the hands and the plan of God. I love this about these people. Number three, they see people first. They saw this guy. I, I reckon lots of people saw him every day, but these two men saw him. Lots of people saw him because they knew him. But don't, these two guys, the Bible says they looked directly at him. And I, I, again, confession time. One of my many <laughs> weaknesses is that I'm so focused on the future and so vision-oriented that I often miss people. And I often walk past people and I know that frustrates some of you because you think I ignore you. I'm not ignoring you. I just, I just don't see you. Not because I don't want to, but because I'm so focused on the future and I'm trying to ask God to help me to slow down and to see people more. And so when I'm out and about, I try in shops to talk to people more and people that serve me in shops and waiters and waitresses and people out in the street. Because I think when you'd like that, then opportunities come for you to share your faith. And you're going to hear two incredible stories about that this morning. No, no, number four, they create wonder. The Bible says that when this guy gets healed, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And then the fifth thing is they have their feet in the right order. What do I mean? They have their feet in the right order. I'm going to say a statement and you're going to finish it, all right? So, so I'm going to say something and and then you're going to tell me what the answer is. So salt and, great. Fish and, 
Ant and deck. Bonnie and strong and stable. No, don't even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even, why did I do that? Now, here's one that you didn't really get. But if I was to say grace and mercy or favor. But in the Bible, one of the phrases where grace and comes is in John chapter 1, verse 14, when it talks about Jesus, who was full of grace and truth. Now, again, really, really happy and really pleased for my upbringing. But I was brought up in church tradition, which was often more about truth than grace. And sometimes the church can walk with truth and grace, truth and grace. You've got to know the truth and then there's grace. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't walk like that. Neither did these guys. They gave the guy grace before they ever gave him the truth. You've got to have your feet in the right way around. It's got to be grace before truth. That's exactly what Jesus did. The Bible says Jesus was full of grace and truth, not he was full of truth and grace. We're not going to compromise the truth here, but we've got to be people that lead with grace. So he didn't say to this guy, if you could sort your life out, if you could get everything in order, then maybe God would heal you. No, he said, what do you need? He said, I need healing. And that's what they gave him. And then when he got the grace, then they brought the truth. And then they explained to everybody what had happened. And the Bible says that, that, that Peter explained to everybody what had happened to this man. And then it says, you know, this is Jesus healed him. The same Jesus you handed over to be killed. God raised from the dead and God sent his spirit and his spirit healed this guy. And the Bible says in verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, Peter said, This man whom you see and now was made strong, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. It started with a moment of grace and then Peter brought truth. I, this is what I'm going to tell you is absolutely true. In the last two to three years, I've had these actual conversations with people who've said these things to me. Is it okay if I come to your church because I'm transgender? Is it okay if I come to your church because I used to be an erotic dancer? Is it okay if I come to your church because I've been divorced many, many times? Is it okay if I come to your church because I'm still a drug addict? Is it okay if I come to your church because I've been in prison? What's the answer, folks? Of course it is. Because we're a church that's about grace and then truth, aren't we? We've got to be like that. If you're going to take a risk, we've got to get our feet in the right order. If you're going to wait till everyone sorts their life out before you give grace, you're going to wait a long time. Just look in the mirror. We're all on that journey, aren't we? We're all on that journey. Religion says change and then you can follow Jesus. Jesus says, no, follow me and then you'll change. You've got to get your feet in the right order. Number five and number six, finally, they become dangerous. They become dangerous. When a group of people starts walking out what it's talking about, they become dangerous. And in Acts 2, you see the church gathered. In Acts 3, you see the church moving out. But in Acts chapter 4, you see the church beginning to be persecuted. Because all of a sudden, they've gone out of their safe building and their homes. And they're out on the streets and people are meeting Jesus. And people's lives are being transformed. So they become dangerous. You know, there's a real and spiritual battle going on. You, you know that, don't you? There really is. And I think when me and Alison were away overseas, we were aware as we were around the hotel and interacting with Jamaicans and a lot of North Americans as well. And, and we were just aware how British we are. Do you know what I mean? And at times, like in the morning, we're like, where's a cup of tea? You know, in a nice pot. And do you have to be so loud? And we just were aware of how British we are. And sometimes you can, you can try and be so comfortable that you actually miss out on becoming dangerous. 
You know, and, and one of my favorite quotes is, is, and I've said it many times here, is, is John Cleese who said, the goal of every Englishman is to get safely to his grave without ever being embarrassed. And, uh, and I think sometimes the goal of every Christian is to get safely to their grave or to heaven without ever being embarrassed. Listen, embarrassment doesn't kill you. It really doesn't. We've got to be willing to become dangerous. And that means taking some risks. So what we're going to do this morning is I want to introduce you to two young people who have been with us over this last year. And they're going to share a couple of stories. Uh, they have actually stepped out. They've gone on that rope swing and they've let go. They've stepped out. They've done that leap of faith. And uh, you're going to hear from them. As many of you know, we run this program here called Equip. And on that program are a variety of different people. And two of them have come to us through our relationship with Youth for Christ. If you don't know who Youth for Christ are, British Youth for Christ is a a brilliant organization. And we're so pleased to be in relationship and partnership with them. And they used to be based here in the building. But they've got their own office now also in House Zone. Many of the staff are here in the church. And ex-members of staff are part of the church as well. And we're really grateful for our relationship with Youth for Christ. Their goal is to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, relevantly to every young person person in Britain, which is amazing, isn't it? And on one of the um, programs, two of the guys have been placed with us over the last year. For two months, I called them Jack and Jill. They're actually Jack and Jess. Uh, so uh, I've got that right now. I've got that the right way around. So I want to introduce Jack to you. Could you put your hands together, please, and welcome Jack. Hello. How you doing? Good. So uh, not too long ago, I was in Manchester and uh, with some of my friends, that's where I'm from, and uh, me and my friends just said, you know what, we need to just tell people about Jesus. So we went into the centre of Manchester and we were just sharing the gospel with people, really, and I felt really prompted to walk over to this, this lady and her son, they were just kind of stood there, and uh, so I went, okay, fine. So I, I had a choice at that point, do I take that risk that, that Leon's been talking about, do I step out, do I potentially look a bit silly uh, to step out and share the gospel with these guys. And uh, a bit of advice, God always tells me this. Whenever he asks me to step out, he always says, what's your perspective? Are you focused on the risk or are you focused on the reward? Because if you have that perspective, you'll realize that the the reward massively outweighs the risk. And actually it makes that fear of looking a bit silly just look tiny. It looks nothing in comparison to the reward of seeing people come to know the living God. And so I stepped out and I went and chatted to this lady. She was really lovely. We got to chat about her life and uh, it got around. The conversation came around. I got to say, I'm a Christian. She went, amazing. So am I. I was like, brilliant. Cool. What church do you go to? And she went, oh no, I don't go to church. No, 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 I don't do that. I was like, oh, okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Um, and she was like, yeah, yeah but, but don't worry, like, I believe in Jesus and I pray to the earth. <laughs> and I was like, okay, our theologies might be a bit different, but that's okay, God still loves you. And so we just carried on the conversation, and then the conversation kind of turned around to her son, who was with her at the time, he was about 11 or 12, and he was there helping her shop. And uh, they told me that, his ligaments and the muscles in his knees were actually wearing away. And so the bottom parts of his legs were actually separating from the top part. And it was causing him loads of pain. He was really struggling to walk and he needed to go to the hospital to have an operation. And I said, I don't know why I said this. It's quite quite out there. But I just went, do you know what? I think God's going to heal you. And I wouldn't recommend saying this because it can backfire. (laughs) But but I I said, God loves you so much that he wants to show you right now. 
how much he loves you by healing your son's knees. Can I pray for him? And she went, yeah, sure, that's fine. So I got to pray for him and, and God, God, God healed him. And it was absolutely incredible. And then I got to chat with her a little bit more and it turns out that her ankle was causing her loads of pain. So I got to pray for that as well and they got, uh, her ankle got healed again. And it was absolutely brilliant. It was absolutely just incredible. I got to share the gospel with them, tell them that, about a God who loves them, and loves them so much that he sent his son to die on a cross. We know this, but it's just, it's just this is what we need to be sharing. Do you know what I mean? We can pray for healing. That's amazing. I'm not undermining that. But if we're not sharing the gospel, for me, I just think, what's the point? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You can heal their ankle, but if, if they don't know about Jesus, then they don't, they don't get it. <laughs> and um, there's a famous evangelist in America called Todd White. And something that he said is, Jesus didn't just die to get us into heaven. He died so that heaven could get into us. And actually, Jesus died for that reason, not just so we can get to heaven. It's brilliant that we can, but actually heaven is able to come into us. We are able to share Jesus, reflect Jesus everywhere we go because Jesus came and he died for us. And um, do you know what? I'd, I'd hate to get to heaven and think, actually, I could have brought thousands more people with me, but I was too focused on the risk. I was too scared, and I was too focused on the risk that I didn't, I didn't bother looking at the reward, and my fear crippled me for my life. And so I've just said to God, you know what, I might not always get it right, and I know it's not all down to me, but I'm willing. Whenever you say, whenever you prompt me, I, I want to step out, even if I look stupid. Hello everyone. Um, when Leon said that this was the theme of this morning, I was really excited because it's something that I feel God's been taking me on a journey of what it looks like to take a risk and tell people about him. And by all means, I definitely don't always get it right, but it's something where um, my heart is just real there and I just really want to see God move. Um, so last week, actually, I was in Manchester, the place to be. Um, no, I was waiting um, in Manchester train station for a train to go to Wigan, even better. Um, and a woman came over to me and she was like, oh, excuse me, love, is anyone sat next to you? So I was like, no, you know, the polite answer, no, feel free, sit down. Straight back down to my phone because we don't talk to people because it's awkward. Um, and I just felt the Holy Spirit nudge me. And just, you know, that feeling you get where you're like, oh, I need to speak to this person. Um, so I was thinking in my head, like, what can I say? Like, how can I, you know, the weather, the weather's nice. Like, I didn't want to say that. Um, so I just said, oh, like, where are, you, where are you going? And she was like, oh, I'm going to Wigan. I was like, great. We've got 45 minutes sat next to each other now. And now we're going to have to carry on talking. Otherwise, this is really awkward. Um, Anyway, so we carried on talking. I was like, what do you do? And she was like, oh, well, actually, I work in Wigan. I was like, oh, cool. Where do you work? She was like, um, I work at the strip bar. I'm, I'm a stripper. I was like, wow, do you, <laughs> do you enjoy it? Like, you know, like, what, what do you say? Um, <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, yeah, like, you know, I've been working there for years, but I still, I still need to have a few drinks before I go. I just, I need to do it before I go. And I just thought, oh, that's why I need to speak to this woman. So we carried on talking, and she said, what do you do? 
I was like, well, do I say I inspire young people to be better them? Like, do you know what I mean? Or do I say the truth of what I'm doing of, I'm on a Christian gap year, the Evangelism Academy, I work in a church and I work with young people. Like, anyway, so I decided to go with the second one and tell the truth. And she was like, you're a Christian? I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh. No. She's like, I've just told you I'm a stripper. I've just told you I'm practically drunk right now. Like, you're going to hate me. Like, I can't believe I've said that. And she started to walk away. And straight away, I just thought, oh, my word. Like, I don't want people to think that about Christianity. Like, do you? Do you want people to think that if they tell us the truth about where they are, that we're just going to, like, all of a sudden reject them? I was, it really hit me. And I, I just said, well, if I was to respond like that, I wouldn't be representing the God that I believe in. I said, because the God that I believe in is a God of love and he loves you just the way you are and he accepts you just the way you are. And um, for 45 minutes, actually, I got to tell her about Jesus and it was incredible. And she began to open up about um, why she couldn't believe in God because so much rubbish had happened to her from the age of 14 and why she felt worthless and why she couldn't really, you know, do anything else. And she began to explain. And the more and more she explained, the more and more I got to tell her about Jesus. And the more and more I got to tell her about a God who loves her completely and didn't plan for her to have this rubbish happen in her life, but wants her to know the freedom um, and the healing that he brings. And um, as we got to the end of the conversation, she said this line and this line like got me. Um, and she just said, I hope there's a heaven when I die. She said, I know there's not a hell because I've been living hell here on this earth and there can't be anything worse than this. I just thought, people are desperate to know that there's hope. People are desperate to know that there's love. People are desperate to know that this shouldn't be hell on earth. They, they can know the living God right here, right now. And we are the answer to that. We are the people that can show them that. And just to finish, I want to share just a quick scripture that uh, I read the other day. And it's um, in Taru, Taru? That's not it. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it says this. It says, so we who have now had the veil removed, so we who believe, can see and reflect God's glory. And um, I looked in my study notes in my Bible at this reflect God's glory. And, um, and it said, how do we reflect God's glory? We simply stand and gaze at the nature of God with unveiled minds. And I, I just picture it as like us just standing almost like lost in thought, lost in, you know, whatever else is going on in our minds and just gazing at the nature of God. And when we do that, it's then that we're able to reflect it to other people and they too can see the nature of God. So I hope that's an encouragement. And yeah, there we go. I'll stop. Guys, thank you so much. That's so inspiring, isn't it? These guys have been such a blessing to us here in this church. And just to hear about going about your ordinary business, do you know what I mean? At a train station, walking across a, uh, you know, in a, in a town centre and being, feeling that prompting. And then that moment of, and I love that what Jack said there about risk or reward. That's the choice, isn't it? How am I going to take the leap? So what stops us, guys? What stops us? I think one of the things that stops us is the shadows of the past. You know, like the footballer that takes the penalty in the World Cup and misses it 
And then four years round, it comes again and he's there again and he's thinking, am I going to miss it again? Do you know what I mean? The shadows of the past is one of the things that stops us. Maybe for some of you, you've stepped out and maybe you've done something. Maybe, maybe you're not a person of faith yet, but you, you're like, well, yeah, but I did that and I tried that in my life and it didn't happen. And, and so you let the shadow of the past dictate what the present and the future is going to look like. And maybe it's not just the shadows of the past. Maybe it's the pull of the present as well. Maybe it's like you say, yeah, but I would do that, what those guys are talking about there. But do you know what? I'm just way too busy. I'm way too busy or, or, or I'm too fearful, you know, or, or, you know, or I'm too comfortable. That's a big one, isn't it? You know, there was an experiment taken on, a, on an amoeba and, and to try and create the ideal environment for an amoeba to, to exist. And so they took out all the stress and all the demands and the thing died because you can be too comfortable. You see, I want you to tell me the last time you were uncomfortable and I'll tell you that's the last time you grew. You know, if, you're, if you're not being uncomfortable, you're not growing because we only grow when we're uncomfortable. So don't let the pull of the present, I'm too busy, I'm too fearful or I'm too comfortable stop you. But here's the one for many of us, the anxiety of the future. You know, worry is the misuse of imagination. It's a, it's, it's a double-sided coin. Imagination is so great and so constricting because what will happen? Mark Twain said this, you can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. Do you know what I mean? Because you can't see it. Because what worry does is that worry takes the imagination and plays out all of the worst things that could happen. And like, like Jack had said, then you look at the risk and it seems to outweigh the reward. Yet we've got to focus more into the other side of imagination. What could God do if I stepped out? What might happen if I was to step out? What might happen if I was to take a risk? You know, we as a church are risking a lot right now. You know, we're risking a lot in terms of launching Hagley. We're risking a lot in terms of the building and all of this and other steps we're taking. If every time we looked at that, we only ever thought about the risk, and we do, if we never thought about the reward, we'd never do a thing. You know, because worry is the misuse of imagination. And the Bible says, you know, in Job, it says, what I fear, Job said, has come upon me. In other words, I let my imagination run riot and it's happened. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, um, you know, that we destroy every proud obstacle. In one translation, it says, we take captive those vain imaginations. Those things that our mind does, we take them captive and we bring them and subject them to the will of God. And I want you to, I want you to know this. Nothing, when you think about risk, nothing comes close to what God can do when we step out. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 from the message, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely fantastic. And then I found this verse just, just, just in the last couple of days, which I've seen many, many times before, but I didn't understand it properly. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, I couldn't put it up on the screen because I found it after we'd done this. It says this, You'll keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And the original word fixed is the deriv derivative of the word imagination. So let me read it again. You will keep in perfect peace all whose trust all who trust in you, all whose imagination is fixed on you. Isn't that amazing? So I'm going to choose, I've got to choose that my imagination will fix on what God says and who God is rather than on the very worst thing that could happen. I want to invite the band to come back up with me. You know, we, um, 
we, as we, as you know, and this is the last time I'll mention the holiday. As we were away, it's the first time we had a two, had a two-week holiday since before we had kids. And the reason for that is our youngest son, Simeon, who many of you know has got complex special needs. And over these last few years, when he's been in residential care, we see him on every Saturday afternoon at 1.30. And when we don't see him on a Saturday at 1.30, something often happens. It throws his routine. So when we were thinking about a two-week holiday, which we knew we desperately needed, the big imagination piece for us is what about Simeon? We're going to be on the other side of the world, and he's going to miss two Saturdays. How's that all going to play out? And here's the thing. In conversation with, with, with the house where he lives, we came up with this thought and this idea. Why don't they take him on holiday at the same time we're on holiday? So they took him to Menorca for a week, Saturday to Saturday, while we were away in Jamaica. Now here's the thing. He's already been to Menorca. We took him when he was a kid. Years ago, more than 10 years ago, we took him. We had the most horrendous time. He broke his hand on a beach because he was on this boat and he dived out and the water was that deep. He could have died, but he dived out and he pushed his hand in the bottom and he broke his hand. We had a complete meltdown. We said at that time, we're never going to go abroad again. It was just awful. And yet here's the neat thing. One of the things we really battled and struggled with, should we release him and trust him? And should we go for our holiday and trust him into the hands of God and the hands of these other people? And when we got back from the holiday on the Wednesday, we took him out and um, he showed us some of the photographs uh, from the holiday. And the amazing thing was the very beach where he broke his hand was the beach where he stayed. And there's a picture of him like lying on this lilo in the sea with a pina colada and he's, no, he didn't have that. But he looked like he should have had that. And he had an absolute ball. He had an amazing time. And if we'd have let our imagination take a grip of us in a negative way, we'd have restricted his life and ours. And you know, that's what imagination is. And for us, it was like God saying, listen, take a risk, take a leap. I'm with you. I'm with you. And maybe this morning, God wants to say to you, hey, take a risk, take a leap. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to hold on to you. You're not leaping into the dark and into the unknown. You're leaping into where I am. You know, Jesus was on the water, wasn't he? And he called Peter to get out of the boat and go to where he was to take a leap. And maybe that's for you this morning. In a moment, we're going to sing a phenomenal song as we finish, which is all about this. But, but, but I want to just say before we do that, I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. Is it the moment right now for you to take a leap of faith? Maybe for somebody, it's a leap of faith for the first time. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Yes, you may believe in Him. Yes, you may know things about Him, but you've never really surrendered your life to Him. You've never let go of that rope and fully trusted Him, you can do that today. Maybe if you are a Christian, you say, yeah, but it's been so long since I've grown in my faith. I've grown too comfortable and I need to step out. You can take that step today. Or maybe your leap of faith is this, that like this man, you're willing to say, I'm in need. Maybe you've got a physical need of healing. Maybe there's a need in your life and you know without the intervention of God, it's not gonna change. Your risk, your leap of faith is to say, I'm in need. You can do that today as well. So I want us to close our eyes for a moment. I want to ask you, you know, we're talking about the church that walks it out, taking steps of faith out there in the world. But you know, if we can't take a step here, we will never do it out there, never. 
And so this morning, while we're kind of closing our eyes for a moment, if this has resonated with you in any way, and you say, do you know what? I want to be a person that takes a step of faith. I need to risk. Maybe it's coming to God for the first time. Maybe you've grown too comfortable and you know that it's been a long time since you've risked for Him. Or maybe your risk of faith, your leap of faith is to say, I'm in need this morning. God, I need you. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. Just to stand up right where you are and I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lord. just pray for you as you stand and as I'm praying if any of you want to stand then you go for it take that step this morning Father we thank you that you are a great God God you love it when we take a step of faith for you you're already on the way to us and so Lord I want to pray for all these folks standing here this morning God I want to pray God would you meet them where they are right now and God I pray that even this week that they would remember the step that they've taken and they would know that you're with them that you're never ever going to let them go. God, I pray if there's anyone here who has need, if there's anyone here who has need, maybe physical healing, God, I pray by Jesus' name, by the power of your Spirit, would you heal them right now in Jesus' name. We speak healing and strength into their bodies in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. You're such an awesome God. We've taken a step. Now, Lord, may we take a step forward with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand together? I want to encourage you guys, you know, many of you who stood, which is amazing. If any of you would like someone to pray with you, not just for you, okay, I'd love to encourage you at the end of the service to head through the back there. And there's some people that would love to pray for you this morning. As Gemma and the team sing this incredible song, which is all about what we've been speaking about this morning. Don't just sing it as a song. Make it your prayer today. Make it your prayer today. It says, Spirit, lead me where your trust has no borders. You know, everyone's talking about borders these days, you know. There's going to be a border between this. What are we going to do about our borders? You know, the Bible says there are no borders when we're with God. God is the God that calls us to cross borders, to take those steps of faith for Him. So let's respond as we worship through this prayer in Jesus' name. Thanks, guys.